Hello, welcome to another episode of Whiskey and Wisdom, continuing in our series on the Doctrines of Grace. Uh, the last episode we covered, what did we cover, Ben, last episode? We covered the tea of tulip, which is total depravity. Just Good. totally an easy subject, yes. Yeah, yeah. Super, but you just look at me and you go, okay, now I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> you are definitely depraved, my friend. Um, That's true. The, why are we why are we the ones talking oh my goodness we're oh too depraved goodness. all right and our oh, conversation's fine. done all right that's a podcast bye <laughs> fantastic anyway and then today we are covering the you in tulip which is one of my personal favorite uh topics of discussion and that is what jonathan unconditional election unconditional election no small task to tackle today but we are going to try and we are going to try to do it expediently today so um but before we talk into our theological discussion of course we're going to start with what we're drinking and i am going to old faithful right here the stranahans our go-to our favorite we're going to get a sponsorship one of these days from these people i'm telling you um we just Stranahan's. gotta keep featuring it every week. It is every week, fantastic. one of us has got to be drinking it. My goodness, <laughs> that's basically the rule now. Uh, goodness, so I, it was just easy to grab, and I didn't have time to go out. So, there we go. I'm the drinking. Next Stranahan's. time, you got to make an old-fashioned out of it. I got to make something. Yes, for sure. Have um, some great. fun. So simple, on the rocks, great, smooth, fantastic, always great. Mm -hmm. Go get a bottle at your local liquor store, and I'll pass it over to Benjamin. Ooh. Well, today I'm having a bit of the Connemara Irish whiskey. Um, mm. I saw it at the liquor store, and I just knew I had to get it because it is called Connemara. Um, and one of my favorite songs uses the town of Connemara. Um, delightful little song about making illegal booze. How can you not like it? Um, but one of the things that uh, also drew me to it, besides the name, was the fact that it's a peated Irish whiskey. Uh, and now if you know your scotches, you know most scotches are peated, which means it gives that smoky sort of flavor. And Irish whiskey typically is not. So I was uh, drawn to the name and then to its flavor. Um, so as I taste it, it is very much a peated Irish whiskey. Um, I think it's very similar to the scotch I had last week where I described it as an Irish whiskey taste, but with the, the typical scotch attributes. Um, and if I didn't know better, I'd almost confuse these two. Um, has that natural sweetness of an Irish whiskey, but with that smoky peat, uh, it's quite delightful. I like it. And I just have it straight. So. Fantastic. Neat and neat. I love it. Mm -hmm. You're gonna, you sold me, man. I'm going to get me a bottle of that. Yes, All right. sound well, I'm good at that, you know. <laughs> there you go. You are good at that, Ben. All right. So I'm point number three. And for the first time in our series, I'm breaking out from what is technically spirits. And I'm going with a mead. So I know. This is um, a, a, it's called Winter Warmer. Uh, it's by Grunfell Meadery um, up in Vermont. Um, I've had a few of their stuff. And this, this one, which is a seasonal one, has definitely been my favorite so far. It's 14.2% alcohol by volume. So it's uh, for a mead that's pretty dang strong. Yeah. Um, and so this is like, a lot of their meads are like gluten-free. Actually, this one is too. So a lot of them are, I've had some mead from different companies before. And this one, I feel like this company sometimes like, there's not really a good other way to put it, but it feels like kind of cuts the balls off of the fact that you're having mead. Um, but this one, because it's like they're, hearty winter edition it feels a little more like what i would expect mead to 
be to taste like. So I enjoy it a good bit. Um, I haven't started drinking any of it today, so I'm pouring myself some now. And it's, how else can I put it? It's pretty dang good. Uh, it says something on the side of a description, which will help me give me ideas. But it says it in, invokes the best of the darkest days, sweet honey and maple syrup, bright blood orange and warm cinnamon, vanilla, nutmeg and cloves. I'm like, so it's a little more savory for sure but I'll enjoy and it. Where was it made again? Vermont, I believe. Okay. Should be lovely this time of year. All that snow. All that snow. They actually probably will have snow right now. Just what we need, man. Exactly. Just what we need. <laughs> yeah, uh, we got ourselves a barn. Let's put on a show. Yep. <laughs> um, I love that you have the proper cognac glass, too. Where did you get that? Oh, we got it part of like a... Wedding like presents. a glass set, yeah, that was definitely off that registry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Registries Somebody's are like, great. We don't need a, we don't need a Konak. I need to Konak. find a girl that she and I can fake an engagement, so that way we can just like split a bunch of stuff. You know, it's a great. I think you were. That's a great way to screw just, over everyone you know. Absolutely, you and then you and, know you get all the gifts, and then you cancel the wedding because you know differences. The reality oh, was. The reality dude. is, is Ben Benjamin could have just stopped the. The, the sentence that I just need to find myself a girl. Well, <laughs> that's true fine. too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Period. I just want Full to find stop. someone who will go into a con with me as well. Dude, that's uh, just below the. Though honestly, line. if she's Come willing on. to go that far into a con, I think it's a good sign. <laughs> if she if she I, will go that far into a con, you should put a ring on it anyway. Um. <laughs> anyway, I have, uh, so many let's get on, on all track, that. Now. Guys, move it, on. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about the Bible. <laughs> Ban yeah, yeah, banning on YouTube now. Um, no, the, but if there was ever a topic of conversation where um, the audience needs to pour themselves a drink, unconditional election might be it. So you might want to make sure you're ready, folks. But uh, here we go. Um, so let's dive in, guys. Um, you know, I I love this topic. It's one of my favorite topics, and it's it's a tough topic to get into. But when you really dive into it and find the the kernels of truth below the surface it's just there's so much sweetness to it there's so much joy underneath it there's there's so much um, mercy and grace and when you consider those who are saved the the the, par the paradigm between those who are saved and those who are not saved those who were you know set aside as as vessels of of righteousness and those who were deemed vessels of wrath and you see what God has saved those who he's chosen from, it is uh, truly a, a wonder, wondrous thing and, uh, and makes you in awe of the power of God. So, um, yeah, let's, let's just take it away. And uh, Jonathan, why don't you dive in? Because I know you got a lot here, uh, but, but uh, just kind of give us some open, opening thoughts. And, uh, and then Ben and I will, uh, will, will, will kind of volley with you. Absolutely. Uh, there's a little bit that I'm being inspired to read but from The Pleasures of God by John Piper, which is one of my favorite books of all time. Uh, the subtitle is Meditations on God's Delight in Being God. Um, and he has a chapter, chapter number five, on the pleasure of God in election. And he starts it saying, can controversial teachings nurture Christ-likeness? Before you answer that question, let me ask another one. Are there any significant biblical teachings that have not been controversial? I cannot think of even one. True, truly, this can be a controversial topic, but as he says in the next page, I believe with all my heart that it is precious beyond words and a great nourishment for the Christ-likeness of faith. 
And so I just wanted to reiterate that this is a difficult topic. It is a controversial topic, but we're going into these doctrines of grace because we have found that they minister grace to our souls, that they are good news. Um, and so in this, we, to put it very simply, unconditional election is saying unconditionally, not based off of any, not based off of who you are, your socioeconomic class, not your race, anything that you've done. God has chosen you to be his child. He has gone, you're mine. I'm going to adopt you into my family. You are now my son. You are now my daughter. And part of the beautiful thing about that is if you've listened to the episodes leading up to this, we've established God and his sovereignty doing all that he pleases. And in that, God is pleased to have before the foundation of the world said, go. I know how I'm going to craft all of history. And in that big story, Jonathan Norwood is going to be my son. And he worked all things towards the, his own pleasure, towards making that a reality. And he has, by God's grace. And through that, I know it wasn't off of anything that I did. It wasn't, it, my coming to true faith in Christ is all that it was. And it was something that he began to show me Christ. And he became so attractive to me that I wanted nothing else but to give my life to him. So, and that's part of where the, I'm skipping a little bit to the eye of Tulip, which is called irresistible grace. And that's part of the idea. But the idea is God, uh, there is another bit. There's another quote, silly me, all my quotes. I hope my Kindle is almost dead. Uh, <laughs> uh, so this is a good opening line. If all of us are so depraved that we cannot come to God without being born again by the irresistible grace of God, and if this particular grace is purchased by Christ on the cross, then it is clear that the salvation of any of us is owing to God's election. He chose those to whom he would show such irresistible grace and for whom he would purchase it. An election just refers to God's choosing whom to save. And you're like, oh, but aren't we saved like by grace through faith? Yes. That's kind of where irresistible grace comes in. How does that happen? We'll get to that a little bit later, but like it is purely by grace through faith, through our faith. We, we who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's just God knew who would call upon him and he worked all things in such a way that he went, you are going to, going to call upon me and then worked all things in such a way that we wanted nothing else but to do such. Yeah. And that's one side of the coin. The other side yes. of the coin is that God has chosen you. And so he chose whom, who would be saved. He also knew who would call upon him. And so that's kind of the dichotomy, right? That's the, that's the tension. How did he, how did we both call on him and he chose us? Well, he chose us before the foundation of the world, uh, knowing in his foreknowledge that, 
he would impart to us the desire to call upon him. And so, um, I disagree. We don't call on him. God calls us and we answer the call. That's right. So I want to clarify that because it's the same word. I, I think I know the way you're using it. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's actually a little bit of it. I think that adds tension. We don't call out to God to save us. He says, repent mm-hmm. or continue in your sin and be damned. And we we either, by his mercy and grace, receive that call, respond to the call in faith, yeah. in repentance, or we continue to, to dwell in our sin. Yeah, well, exactly. And, um, you know, Christ himself said, unless you be drawn by mm-hmm. the Father, you cannot come to know me. And so it is God who is who is the uh, the original mover of our hearts. He is drawing himself unto us. Or he is drawing us unto himself. And uh, and and so that is, to me, the a, a major part of unconditional election. It is God has chosen me. He has enacted upon himself to draw my heart towards him, um, like like any skilled lover would do, right? Like wooing himself unto me, wooing me unto him. And um, so, yeah, I, I think that... Yeah, in using the word call, I was predominantly pulling on the verbiage from Romans 10, basically. And then I and just kind of... Uh, verse 13 for everyone who calls on the name of the lord will be saved mm-hmm. um and just like verse 10 before that for with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved and so it's just like that was the verbiage i was thinking but i agree ben yeah. he calls we hear his voice his sheep know his voice we then desire nothing else really but god we what we want most is god himself in his grace and so then we call upon him for mercy and he delights to save us quite so yeah i just i wanted to throw that out there just to help with the clarification Um, yeah there's a lot of words we can use interchangeably that mean different things and depending upon how you hear it yeah it it comes it comes out different so i appreciate you you, yeah (laughs) yeah, i know because we can use a lot of words that sound the same interchangeably and it depends upon um, your hermeneutic, basically how you, how you choose to interpret that. And so, um, that's an, in, that's a, here, that's a big fancy word that we know what that means, but a lot of people might not know what hermeneutic means. Do you want to, do you want to dig into that for two seconds? It, it basically means the way in which you interpret scripture or the way in which you, you view scripture and the um, way you approach scripture yeah. in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you analyze scripture. I just had to right. throw the one out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to be left out. <laughs> How many adjectives can we use? Uh, but that's, it's basically the study of the interpretation of scripture. And so uh, there, you can have different uh, perspectives to that and come to differing conclusions. And so that's why I say it depends upon your hermen- hermeneutic. It depends upon the lens in which you, you are, are looking at the word of God. And um, depends upon the way you approach it. That's right. Um, so, or a great thing, you know, just to add an extra level of difficulty is, I, as far as I'm aware, the three of us all have a very similar hermeneutic. I mean, obviously unique and different because we're all unique and different, um, but we all come to similar conclusions, and yet we use different terms. <laughs> and then we're like, right. whoa, 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 what are you saying? 
I'm like, good. I thought you were speaking heresy. Turns out you're saying the exact same thing I am. So, <laughs> always fun. So that's part of the great challenge of clarifying terms and understanding where someone's coming from when they are trying to interpret a passage of scripture because you interpret it one way and they're going to interpret it in a similar fashion, but you can use two different words and you get a very different conversation if you don't understand where you're coming from. And that's part of why we started the conversation off with defining the two main words in this title of unconditional, okay, and election, okay, cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I want to get into, I think we're going to probably be here for a minute and spend mm -hmm. some time on this, but I want to get into Romans 9 because Romans 9 is kind of the definitive chapter on um, where this doctrine of unconditional election comes from. There's a lot of other places in scripture we can draw on as well. If you want to go there, I'm fine with it. Uh, many of the epistles of Paul use the word election. Peter uses the word election in his epistles. Um, there's lots of places where it refers to the elect of God. But I think there's probably no, no more controversial place in scripture nor more definitive place in scripture where you can go and and see this uh doctrine at work and so i want to dive into romans 9 and yeah. uh, have a bit of a discussion about that and so um i'm gonna kind of pull out the middle of the chapter here and just say um about verse 14 15 let's go 15 for he says to moses i have mercy on whom i have mercy i will have compassion on whom i have compassion so then it depends not on human will or exertion but on god who has mercy um and so it is it is god who gives mercy to those who he chooses and um and compassion on those who he has compassion and then you guys can take that any direction you want to from there. Yeah, the back up by Yeah, I was I was going to back up actually to yeah. the paragraph before that bit. The paragraph before Dang yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Dang it. This is what happens when we all have proper hermeneutics. <laughs> all right, fine, Benjamin, you go. I went before. You go. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um yeah, so he starts off in chapter 9 speaking about uh Israel and the promise given to Abraham and to his descendants. Yada yada. Uh, and basically, you know, he's, he describes that it's not just the descendants, it's children of the promise, which is why we as Gentiles can receive salvation um, as well. So building up to 14, you know, 14 is it Paul's anticipation to the response. Like he knows there's going to be an argument. I mean, just as uh, John Piper said in, in, in the book that Jonathan was quoting, has there ever been a doctrine or a sticking out point in theology or the Christian faith that has not caused controversy. I'm like, of course, you know, they always cause issues. They always have an argument to be made. Paul expects that. Do we not expect that when we say something um, or when we read a novel, does the author not anticipate questions or good author, I should say. Um, uh, so uh, I lost my place. Let's see. Um, so in uh, seven and not all are the children of Abraham because they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it's not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said about this time next year, I shall return and Sarah shall have a son. 
Not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing, either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls. She was told, the older shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Before they were born, God chose, chose how, how he was going to move about through their lives who will serve you know it, it's it's not you know the cultural understanding of you know the the blessing that jacob and esau were supposed to get was that esau was supposed to receive it because he was the older sibling and that was the proper thing to do but that's a man-made rule and god ordains as god chooses his most wise and holy counsel he chooses it not by means of our structures, but by means of his grace, by the means that he will accomplish what is trustworthy and good. And that's one of the things I love about even at the beginning of Genesis and you read through it is that God uses either creates tradition or he uses man-made tradition to orchestrate his will or to say like, hold on, like this is my game. I'm going to show you who's going to be in my reception of grace. And we can see that right here with Jacob and Esau. Esau is supposed to receive the blessing from Isaac. And yet we look at Jacob and Esau's life. Both of them are pretty rebellious. Both of them are pretty stupid as far as, you know, following God and what God has said to their father and forefathers. Jacob, even when he received when he receives a blessing is through a lie he disguises himself as esau does he not he does it in sin because he wants the blessing because that's the good stuff he even he it's not until much later in his life that he realizes who god is that god reaches out to him and that jacob turns and we see esau who receives jacob's uh, forgiveness at one point we still know that esau is outside of the blessing the reason for that is because God's showing us, even at the beginning of his covenantal love and his promises, that it's not just the offspring, it's those who he calls. So God circumnavigates human blessings, human traditions, to show that every person from every tribe, every nation, every tongue can receive his blessing. But it's still accomplished in God's holy will, holy counsel through his means. And he uses both ordinary means and he circumnavigates ordinary means as well. You know, traditional means, quote unquote, uh, for those who can't see my air quotes with my fingers. Uh, so anyway, I've, I've and, done all enough. And in that, choosing the younger over the older before they where they were even born, he then goes... Is there any injustice on God's part? What shall we say? By no means. Yeah. For what Brian read, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. And he's going, going back to, that is a quotation from Exodus, from yeah. what God said to Moses in Exodus. And basically the argument here is, I am God. I have the right to choose. And you're like, ow. Mm -hmm. yeah. But that's in a way what is being said. And so verse 16 reads, so then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. 
And then he says, for, he backs it up again with another reference. The scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I have raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills and he hardens whomever he wills. Because if you remember, what did Pharaoh do? He hardened his own heart. And there are points where it deliberately says God hardened his heart against his own prophet who was telling him to let his people go so that he could, through the plagues, decimate Egypt and you know, receive great glory through the plagues and through the parting of the Red Sea. Hmm. So you're like, wait, so God chose a nation, used Moses, and hardened the Pharaoh's heart deliberately so that in thereby creating an opponent to show how his power superseded Pharaoh's. And you're like, yeah, it's all for the sake of the glory of his grace. And then verse 19 saying, you will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? And then he goes in verse 20 and saying, but who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder? Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory? Even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. There's more to the chapter, but that is a key pivotal point, and that's where mm -hmm. that's enough stated for us to dig into a bit more. For sure, and so um, I love that. Ha has the potter no right over the clay to make out the same lump a vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? And so he did this desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power having endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. Some and other translations say prepared in advance for destruction, the old translation says. And so um, that, that also goes into uh, the, the argument of predestination. And you were predestined to become either adopted as a son or you were predestined to become a vessel of wrath. And so having prepared vessels of wrath in advance for destruction. And uh, I wanted to go to, as well, Romans 8. And we all know, Roman, many of us know Romans 8, 28. And, uh, and everyone loves that verse. And then they, they ignore verse 29. Uh, but 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Why? Why do we know that? For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, and to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those who, who he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those who he justified, he also glorified. And so, implied in that verse, or, you know, on in the verse, is... You were predestined, and at the moment in which you were predestined, you were also glorified. 
you were justified, you were predestined, you were, you were, uh, you were called, you were justified, and you were glorified, and all of that happened in the mind of God instantaneously, all at the same time. And so, I'm not go ahead. sure that in the. I'm not sure that that's how that timing works out for verse 30. Like predestined, like as soon as you are predestined before the foundation of the world, you were also glorified. I think part of the idea is you were predestined and then you were called to faith through the gospel while you were on earth. And then because you were called with an effectual call, you, you heard and you desired God and you desired his mercy and his grace. And you, you know, Right. Called for mercy upon God and placed your faith in him there and thereby being justified by God's grace expressed in Christ on the cross through his substitutionary atonement. And then are uh, all and then those who are justified will be glorified at the last day. This but is the difficult thing about that. That's a difficult thing I wrestle with in this verse. He also yeah. glorified. He speaks of glorified in the past tense. And that's in what the they're about that. Yeah. And so, this, this is a classic example of the now and not yet say yeah yes right you know he's predestined us check mark like that happened in ages unknown in eternity past uh he called like well the three of us can agree yeah god's called us um because we gave our lives mm -hmm. to him we heard the call we saw our sin and we saw christ's atoning work on the cross and we said let that be mine please god i beg of you right. um and then he uh where, where is it uh called justified so now we're like aha I am in Christ. My sin is justified with Christ's death on the cross. Uh, and then whom he justified, he also glorified. And we're like, wait. <laughs> yep. So we're like, yeah. not quite, but at the same time, it's one of those, for so, God, what a day is but a thousand years and a thousand years but exactly a day. exactly where I was about to go. Exactly. Yeah. Jonathan is giving it from the human perspective, and I was speaking it from the divine perspective of to God, because God is I am. God is to be. God, every every moment that was, is, and and will be is now. For God, we were we were. All of these things happened instantaneously in the mind of the Almighty, and uh, so we were foreknown. We were predestined. We were foreknown. We were called. We were justified. We were glorified. All of that happened that fast in the mind of the Father, and yet for us. It feels like a now and not yet. And so it is both and. It is God sees us as we will be perfected. And that is why he is sanctifying us. He is sanctifying us because he sees us as we will be. And so he, he see, when he looks at me, he sees Jesus. He sees perfection. He doesn't count my sins against me because they're covered by the propitiation of Jesus, by the blood of Christ. But... For me, it feels like a process. For him, it feels like an instant. And so, to me, it is a, a both and of I, I am justified, but I'm not yet glorified. It, it, it is the now and the not yet. But mm. for God, in the mind of the Almighty, it is it always was, it always will be, it has always been, because you were called before the foundation of the world. And at the moment you were, you were predestined before the foundation of the world, you were glorified. In the father's mind no easy yeah. thing to grasp i know but no, no it's not but, but, but one of the most comfort 
I was going to say exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> See, we're all on the same page. It's quite annoying. This is no good discussion. We're all agreeing with each other. <laughs> no, I say, but this is this is a comfort. I mean, as Jonathan was saying at the beginning, this is doctrines of grace. Grace is a good thing. How do you receive grace? Uh, one of the most uh, common objections to this is the I'm seeking God, but I don't feel God's receiving me. Um, and I sort of have this issue from time to time in my own heart uh, in, in reference to um, God made some vessels for glory and some vessels for wrath. Um, you know, I feel like my life is so terrible that God just made me a vessel of wrath just to, you know, dump on me. Just say, like, I'm going to have everything bad happen to him just for the heck of it, just for poops and giggles, you know. Um, but that's that's not what the text is saying. That's not what it means. It may feel like that at times. Um, but what God is, what, what the text is saying is that it's specifically in regards to predestination, which again, that's a great big fun topic to talk about, um, but specifically in the, in the sense of glorification or damnation. Um, for, for those of us who struggle with our salvation, either on a daily basis or on a spectrum or whatever, you know, some days you just feel so overwhelmed with your sin. You say, how can God forgive me? How could God accept me? The fact that you're admitting that, I think, is a great wonder. The fact that you can even acknowledge that is the work of God's grace in you. The fact that you see yourself as a sinner, the fact that you feel the distance between you and God is a sure sign that you are seeing God at work in your life. Um, Absolutely. And to just go to yeah. the words of Christ himself when the disciples were asking him in John 14, um, what some of these things meant. Why are you going away? Why do you need to go away? Why, you know, all these, where I'm going, you can't come yet. You'll come later. All these kind of things that Christ was saying to them, they didn't understand. And Christ says in verse 15 of John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So the very fact that if, if you even come to a conclusion of questioning your salvation, that should give you great comfort that you are saved. Because no one who is dead in their trespasses and sins could even ask such a question because the spirit of truth does not live in them. And the spirit of truth, the world cannot receive it neither sees him nor knows him. So for you to even ask such a question can only be given to you by the Holy Spirit. To ask that question should confirm to you your, your calling and election, yeah. not make you question your calling and election. I mean, to me, that just brings up, you know, the passage, you know, when the man comes to Jesus, Jesus says, do you believe? And the man says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Mm -hmm. um, yes. I, that's beautiful or also when uh the many disciples leave jesus because he's saying too many hard difficult things and he turns to his disciples and says will you leave me also and it's peter who says you alone have the words of life where else would we go right um i mean just because that, that's that's the whole purpose of election to me is that god calls us out he's ordained us to come to him whether it's this moment whether it's you know, like the thief on the cross, it's at the last second. It doesn't matter. 
time-wise because God's at work in your life. Uh, that's why, why one of the reasons I'm so adamant about good gospel preaching, uh, not only because it's biblically accurate, uh, but to put in a pithy statement, it either confirms or it condemns, right, to the listeners. When you hear the gospel proclaimed, it either shows you that you need to repent and be saved or you, you're continuing to put your faith and trust in Christ, or it yeah. shows that you don't know you don't care right uh and scripturally your destiny is god's wrath um to the fact that if, if you struggle with this if if you deal with the internal emotions yeah, emotions god's already set this up he's already established whether you're going to be his or not and if he's pulling you towards him you're his the fact that he's pulling you towards you is a good sign the fact that you struggle with it, the fact that you say, uh, I'm struggling with my sin or that I don't get how God can do this, or the fact that I don't hear God, uh, I think is a, you know, part of that nuance. Um, yeah, I love that. I feel like Jonathan's... Yeah. Uh, he's chomping at the bit. He's chomping at the bit there to say something, so I'm going to let you have the floor, man. Yeah, I'm I've a... got some thoughts to wrap us up in, uh, in, uh, because I know our time is short. So mm. Those those of you listening were not watching me over the past like three minutes, like <laughs> flipping pages in my Bible and like thinking thoughts. Yeah. Um, but that's what I was doing. Um, I disagree with you guys. I disagree with you guys. It was not as much that. That's, it was that's more what like... that means. <laughs> Sometimes that is what that means. It's like Usually... I disagree. I Usually his like vein starts to pop on his forehead, I'm and he starts you know, squishing through to the pages. you over the head. Yeah, sometimes that is I really can what I justify is. my point because I know you two are wrong. All right, my goodness. go ahead. Sometimes that is the case. In yeah, this case, yeah. it's more like I was having a a thought that was adding a different perspective on it, and I yes, wanted yeah. to like flesh it out. Yeah, and so yeah. I honestly was not paying as much attention to what you were saying as I should. Oh, thank so, you. Oh, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> I've recently been reading the first chapter of second Peter and there is a line mm, in here yes. in which, um, which, which is also like, it's such a great chapter. It's so good. Um, stuff. he is, he states in this bit at the very top, mm -hmm. just, I'm going to paraphrase this to, but I'm going to get through kind of the points he's saying his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness mm -hmm. through knowledge of Christ by which he has called us. Wait. Yeah. Um, by which he has granted to us his very great and precious promises so that through those promises, we might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption in the world because of sinful desire. All right. For this reason, because of all of that, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, with virtue, with knowledge, knowledge, with self-control, self-control, and keeps going in a list until ending with love. And then he's saying, for if all these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. This was the line that came to my mind in our conversation. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, you see, the Bible does such an interesting thing. It's It, it goes, you have been called you were chosen before the foundation of the world. You are adopted. And then it also goes, okay, now does that mean you go and you live in your sin? No. Does that mean you take God's grace for granted? No. Does that mean what, what it means then 
he's granted to you through the knowledge of his son all of the power that you need to live through his promises by his grace moment to moment day to day to increase all the more and to supplement your faith with all good qualities of life so what we're called to is to make every effort to and be all diligent all the more diligent to make our calling and election which are rock solid to make it sure we're we're called like okay you have been chosen live in such a way that reflects the fact that you have been chosen, been chosen. yeah and like live in such a way that that's right you're being chosen will never be questioned that's right live in and such it, a way that the... you are holy and it will ne so holy that people will go mm -hmm. he he's gods he's he's not he's been he is a part of a different family he is like not one of us he is set apart he's living a holy life and thereby may we live our lives in front of others that others may see our good works and glorify our father who is in heaven letting our light shine before oh. others quoting the sermon on the mount there and so in well, that sense it's a, it's the other side of the coin too it's it's, it is. it's peter's version of what james says which is faith without works is dead and so it's kind of the chicken or the egg, right? It's like, well, if, if we're not we're not doing good works to earn salvation, we're doing good works as as evidence of our salvation. We're we are supplementing our our I'm sorry, I'm not saying supplementing our faith with all of these things, virtue and knowledge and steadfastness and godliness and brotherly affection and love and all and all these things. We're we're supplementing our faith and it's it's like saying it's like saying somebody gave you a home, somebody gave you the deed to a house, and there's no furniture in the house. How do I know you live there? None of your stuff's in it. You might own the house, but none of your stuff's in it. And so it's saying, like, furnish your, uh, your calling and election with the furniture of being an adopted son of God. And guess and what? Jesus is a carpenter, so he's actually sending you... The furniture. There we go. You, yes. you just open the door and, you know, take it from the Sorry. Amazon or yes, UPS driver. <laughs> yes, because his divine power is what is granted to you. It's not your right. own strength. It is That's through right. his precious promises that through them we become partakers of the divine nature. And and I'm quoting Second Peter 1 there again. That's yeah. through them. So in that, don't take all of this and be like, okay, well, how do I know if I'm elect or I'm not elect? Go, okay call upon the name of the lord if you want if you, if you want god call upon him we can't tell you if you're elect we can't discern that only god knows who is and who is not elect and the main thing is just like go for it as best you can this is why this is why we need Jump external there, help right yeah that's because it. inwardly i condemn myself every day right. <laughs> if it were not for friends and family I would be scrambling tooth and nail to make sure I'm saved because I have no internal assurance. Uh, but by God's grace, he's given us the word, which is historically accurate and spiritually true. And we have friends who are also indwelt with the spirit, family members in Christ, whether by blood or also just by adoption, who can say, like, I see Christ in you. I mean, that's right. To me, so, that's so, always been one of the things that like just shocks me when someone's just like, "You handled that so well and so much like Christ." I'm like, "What? Yeah. <laughs> me? <laughs> How?" And it's not because I'm so great. Uh, 
uh, and perhaps I need to be a little bit easier on myself, but because the work of the spirit is in me. Right. That's it. The furniture is the evidence that you live in the house to, exactly. to pull the, the metaphor I was using before. It's, yeah. We have, we don't have internal assurance necessary, but we have external evidence because yes. the, the fruit of your life shows that you are chosen. And so that is the fruit, which is why he says, uh, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Make every effort, which means to another way, Paul says, work out your salvation in fear and trembling, right? Because Christ that works in you. And so the evidence that you are called is you are striving towards the things that God, uh, that God, that God, you know, says are are fruits of the spirit right and uh, i was trying to think of a better way to say that but that that's it the furnishings are the evidence that you live in in that you that you live in the house and i want to pivot real quick because i know our time mm -hmm. is running out but i want to I, I would be remiss to not hit ephesians one i think we've kind of hit the two big ones we've hit we've hit second peter one which is a major major uh passage on this issue uh, Romans 9, Romans 8, Romans 9, definitely a major one. Ephesians 1 is the other big one. Uh, I just want to, I want to read, and I think this tees us up beautifully for our next conversation as well on irresistible grace, because there's so much in here that talks about grace in this passage. Wait, are we going into that one next, or are we going into L next? <laughs> okay. We'll just skip it. We'll skip it. <laughs> We're, we're going to get there, though. Let, we will. Yeah, well, Grace is getting there. We're getting there. Yes. Thank you. Um, verse, I'm going to start in verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. And I love this. You want to pay attention to this. In love, in love, then verse 5, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. In love, he did that. And then why? According to the purpose of his will. So in love he predestined us for adoption of sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined, according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And I think that's a great place to stop there. Uh, the praise of his chapter. glory. And, that's and, one and of all of that oh, goes sure. back to our first, our first episode on, on this topic before we yeah. got into the tulip. Um, doctrines of grace the sovereignty of god there's yeah. so much embedded in that passage about the sovereignty of god that he did this for his own glory he did this to the praise of his glory to the praise of his glorious grace to the pr 
that that he did oh, this in, in his wisdom and in his insight and in his in his infinite will and in his infinite mercy and in in, all of these things that are admonished in that passage about why we were predestined we were predestined because it was for God's own glory which goes with the sovereignty of God why has he predestined some for vessels of of mercy and some for vessels of wrath ultimately because he and his sovereign will has decided that is how he gets the most glory mm-hmm. and I think I can stop talking there and anything you guys wanted to say to wrap that up. But I think that kind of pulls all of our topics kind of together in a beautiful way. Uh, yeah. His sovereign will, his glory, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, anyway, the, the, un, the unmerited favor, the, the unconditional election and the total depravity of man. We can do nothing in and of our own will to save ourselves it is our depravity that has made us completely unable to help ourselves it is god's mercy that in his infinite wisdom and his sovereign choice and his sovereign will to pursue his own glory that has chosen us to be adopted as sons that we may praise his glorious grace how through the work that he did in christ jesus and i don't know how else better to say it but Anything you guys want to say to wrap that up, but that's kind of all of what we've been talking about. Right. Yes. I have one last thing. It's just, if someone is listening to this and you're going, I mean, I don't really know about all this. This is a lot of stuff that's going way over my head. I want to love God, but I don't know how. I don't, do I need to be elect for that? Do I all, you start with this, start with going, God, I don't have it all myself. I need you. I need your grace. I need the blood that you shed on the cross to cover over my sins and just asking God for help. Just go to him. Go to your local church, find people who love God, love his word, and start learning more. Because these are all things that have taken us years to kind of begin to wrap our minds and our hearts around to see as beautiful things. At the very beginning, to many people, they're like, "Uh, I'm not sure that's good news. And it's the sort of thing that once you begin to see it you see it but until then just be patient um because before that point when you if that's not the way you're raised if that's not something that you like sit with at first you're like it's offensive to our human nature in a lot of ways it really can be offensive to our human nature and In a sense, that's a sign of the truthfulness of the thing itself. Mm. Um, but in a, in another sense, like it, it requires so much humility to truly come to terms with all this. So just we just challenge you to sit, to take time with it, to pray through it, and to go and to open yourself up to the word, to the passages we referred to tonight. Open yourself up and read them and.
We lost you there for a second, John. Lost you. John. So there we um, go. There we gotcha go. Back. I'm back. Ooh. I've returned. I saw everything while I was gone. Uh, Sorry no, about I, that. I just saw your like faces like. Yeah, freeze. Yeah, mine totally was a bit freeze. frozen too. Wonderful <laughs> zoom. Um, cool. Those are great thoughts there. I and I would just add one other. It is if any. Well, I gotta add my closing thought. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. I have two. Yeah, um, go ahead. So, for one thing, I want to clarify that election simply means the saved and unsaved. We don't know who that is. We're not God. We we do not have his secret counsel. We do not know his most holy and private will. What we do know is that we're told to go proclaim the gospel because it is through the preaching of the word that people become repentant, that they return to Christ. Amen. It's our duty, our joy to preach, to proclaim the gospel so that those who are unsaved may confirm their election. Right. Mm -hmm. There's no one who's going to go through life absolutely living the most total, totally depraved life imaginable, be unrepentant towards the end. And God's like, oh, you know what? You had my lucky card. You know, you had the golden ticket. That's no. not going to happen. It's not how it If works. you are called and you're part of the election, there's that process. And sometimes, like a yeah. thief on the cross, it's a last-minute thing. But our responsibility as Christians, as those who recognize our calling and recognize our election, it is our duty and, as I said, our joy to continue to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim to you that Christ was crucified, dead, buried, rose again, to appease God's wrath and to bring us into his mercy, to bring us into his joy and to bring us into his welcoming arms. Uh, he took all of our sin yep. so we can have yeah. all of the grace that he deserved. Precisely. Uh, so live in a way that honors God. If you are if you have confirmed that you're in the elect, you live in a way that honors God. Why? Because some people take this doctrine and say, well, then I don't need to evangelize. I don't need to tell people about Jesus because whoever's going to be in is going to be in. No, no, no. The scripture also says the spirit makes his appeal through the saints. And yeah. so through us. So we live in a way that confirms our calling and election. It becomes attractive to the others who are called into election, who have been predestined into the be sons of God. And then they, we become a part of their transformation conversion process, which is a whole other thing we can't get into. But it's, Isn't that that's humbling? such a beautiful thing that that's My how goodness, it works. God uses us. So that's as so we confirm our election, we draw others who are in the elect to himself because we look attractive. And those who are seeking to know God see those who know God and they they go, I want that. I don't know what that is, but I want that. And if you're struggling with that, like Jonathan said, you know, I would just say to you, if any man lacks wisdom, let he ask, let him ask God, who generously gives all things. Yeah. So if you're struggling with these uh, ideas, these concepts, look, we've marinated in these in these doctrines for years, and we've let them soak into our souls and become, you know. Uh, fragrant and um, so if if you're not there yet just say Lord I I want to know the truth I want to seek truth and if you honestly come to Christ and say I want wisdom he will generous generously give you wisdom 
And so um, we've we've thrown a lot of stuff out there. I know it's hard. You might want to replay this a few times and listen to some of these concepts over again. Um, but I think we I think we covered the three big chunks in scripture of, of where these ideas come from. Um, and uh, and I think it's been an awesome discussion. I think you guys have had great insights. Um, but uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up for us here. And uh, Ben, just real quick, pray us out, man. Let's just pray for those who are going to hear this, um, that that it would that it would be fragrant, a great offering for them, something that they're drawn to, and uh, that it would be made plain, that the Spirit would make it understandable. Sure thing. Our most holy and loving God, we thank you for this opportunity for the three of us to um, talk this. A difficult doctrine out. Lord, we thank you for the people who listen to this. We thank you that you are you are using your word constantly and daily that it is a living document that is not returning void. It is not inerrant. It is not uh, inconsiderate towards uh, the challenges we face when we try to wrestle and grapple with what you have said. We thank you that you have continually worked, you have continually moved throughout all history to proclaim your word, to bring salvation to those who are far off. Lord, ask that uh, as people listen to this, as, as we continue to digest this doctrine, as we continue to affirm it, that we will continue to believe it, that we continue to walk it out to those who hear it, that they will, uh, if they don't accept it, that they will find the scriptures for what they say that they will find what you have said uh, clearly if they don't agree with us that they at least have a strong biblical hermeneutic for disagreeing with it and that we can dwell with them in fellowship and unity and lord if they're wrestling with it as they're trying to accept it we ask for grace that they uh, according to our perspective that they will accept it and receive it that they will see it as the the strong, true biblical perspective upon your word, but most importantly, on you. That this is how you operate. This is how you move. This is how you call us to yourself. Doris, that this uh, this podcast will not return void. That your word will not return void. That those who listen to it will be able to reach out to us or ask us questions that we will be able to discuss in either in private conversations or uh, on another episode. Uh, to continue to proclaim the confidence we have in you, the faith that we have put in you, that you are our salvation and our hope and our joy. Let that hope and joy exceed uh, our perspective that will overflow into others, that it will it will be part of that process that brings them to you or that confirms their election and calling. So Lord, we ask these things in the powerful and wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being here. Great discussion. We'll see you next time.